The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is the Dealer Playbook. Right, DPB gang, you better pull out a pen and a notepad, or as the kids say, an iPad, or as the kids, kids, kids say, you write stuff. No, I'm just kidding. But you're going to want to pay close attention. I'm, I'm sitting down with my pal Dan Moore. He's the president of Vista Dash. And a few weeks ago, him and I had a really interesting conversation. Um, sadly, you'll never get to hear it, but I'm I'm fortunate that I get to have these conversations. There was something that uh, he said that I want to draw some attention to. I want to shine a spotlight on because I think it is so bang on, especially as we move into the advent of ooh, Web3 and the metaverse and all of the things that are going to come along with that and all of the thought processes that are like, oh, wait, drop everything you're doing now and go all in on that. I. It, I can already see how that's going to spiral out of control for so many in the industry. And so I thought it would be cool to have Dan on the show to go deeper into what he said, which is that the scariest metric he's able to see through his platform, Vista Dash, is how dealers are buying, trying to buy their way out of operational inefficiency. So, of course, joining me, Dan Moore, thanks so much for joining me here on the Dealer Playbook podcast. Oh, man, I'm excited to pick this one up. Uh, just the uh, the little twinkle in your eye when we had this discussion was quite funny. I was like, "Oh boy, I know I know what comes next." So I'm not a break are. dancer, but it made me start break. I was like, "Oh, here we go." Uh, uh, uh. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, this is this is intriguing, especially in an industry that gravitates to certain buzz topics, right? You know, I can remember NADA a few years ago. It was big data. It was like, "Oh, everybody's all about big data," yeah. and then it was. I can't remember where it went from there. And then it was attribution. No, it's all about attribution. And what does that even mean? And conversion rate optimization. And nobody knows what that means probably still to this day. And, and, and digital retail and web three and metaverse and all of these things. But I come back to like, I'm a, I'm a foundational guy. I'm like, but, but, but have you poured a solid foundation? Why do you, you really care how many stories the building is if you built it on the sand kind of a thing. And that's yeah. what your comment made me believe. And so I want to turn this over to you right out of the gates. What do you mean by buying your way out of operational inefficiency? And and a second to that is how, how do you pick up on that? How do you see that? Yeah. So, I mean, A, having been in retail a long time, selling cars, running a dealership, kind of guilty of the, the same sin I'm about to talk about. And for a lot watching, we can relate to this word of, I just need more leads, right? Um, and when you think about that for a second, you're like, I need more leads. Why? Because I'm trying to keep people busy. But am I giving them the right busy? Am I solving a problem? Or am I just creating more opportunities to cherry pick because I'm not investing in my people to give them the training and holding them accountable to performance? More or less, we just got a lot going on, you know, trying to find people right now, all the challenges that we face or have faced, you know, before, it's easier just to kind of throw money at, hey, let's get more opportunities in the door so that we don't have to 
necessarily look in the mirror and address ourselves. Um, and that's really kind of the, the bigger picture to it. Um, but it's like anything, and you brought it up. You brought up all the buzzword monopoly. You know, you've got uh, AI, uh, big data, attribution, digital retailing. I mean, we can go on and on and have a great Don't drinking. Don't forget Moneyball. Dude, yeah, that was 10 years ago too. But I, I mean, heck, if we just went back to Twitter and pulled up all of our tweets and we laughed about this one from like a decade to two decades, I feel like we've just, it, it's like the movies right now. What are we doing? We're just remaking the same movies we've made. I mean, nothing's really new. We just start saying it maybe just a slight different or we put new characters in the movie. Right. Um, so here we are again. And, and I think at the end of the day, the next push, you know, obviously having come back from NADA and seeing, you know, what's the next buzzword monopoly, um, you know, digital retailing, metaverse, um, Amazon, throw all your money on Amazon. Yeah, let's start measuring that and then call me later. Um, so again, we see that in Vista in the sense of we look at the activity that's going on, you know, how many emails, how many chats, what are, what, what are we doing to work the leads? And then you also look at close ratios. You look at the sheer number of leads against the sheer number of people and you start backing into the math and go, wait a minute here, this doesn't quite add up. No different than, you know, operational inefficiencies that we have to start thinking about too is service, right? I mean, when you think about the number of new vehicles that haven't been sold, let's, you know, 2020, 2021, and, and what that deficit might be this year, add all that together, what's that doing to warranty work? How's that going to create some operational challenges in the service lane, not to mention from a marketing and, you know, um, client acquisition standpoint, what are the things that we are faced with and what are we doing to overcome those? So it really comes down to looking in the mirror and having a sound strategy, executing on that strategy by bringing in the tactics to help you support that strategy. And that's ultimately the biggest point. It's interesting. This is a very timely conversation, even for me. I feel like I've passed through so many iterations of business leadership, right? Um, and we're in a phase, even in our company, where a vision that has been so clear in my mind for years, I'm realizing now with some age and experience and putting my shoulder to the wheel, so to speak, that I perhaps have not articulated well enough for the people on my team that vision for them to even understand how the strategy that you're talking about even maps to anything that makes sense. Right. And, and it's funny because to me, that's a foundational thing. It's like, how well can I communicate and convey the vision or the direction of where we're going? And to your point, the dealerships or dealer groups that do that well tend to be the ones that grow at what seems like a rapid pace. And those that don't just continually, they're perpetually struggling. And then they're, you look at them and you're like, dude, you're in small town, Alabama. Why do you have a $50,000 a month marketing budget? Right. Well, and, and that's it. It's the tactics versus strategy. Cause again, um, it, it's one of those interesting thought processes of, you know, Hey, we do these things, but the question is, is, they're just tactics, you know, right. paid search, social, Amazon, you know, all these different, they're all tactics. It's not strategy. The strategy is what are you trying to accomplish for your brand, your dealership? And then what are the tactics that you need to use? I mean, the ones I just listed to execute against the strategy, but forego like strategy and we just start throwing tactics. And then we wonder why we're not getting outcomes. Right. 
So we start blaming, you know, our providers. Oh, well, they don't, you know, they're just a poopy, you know, paid search company. Let's get the next one. And the next thing you know, you've gone through six. They're not, they're not hitting the mark for you because you haven't given them guidance as to what your strategy is. You're just right. asking them to execute tactics. Can you create a Toyota, use Toyota campaign? How about a Toyota model campaign? There's no strategy other than just the execution of tactics. Right. And we're seeing that more so with limited inventory, right? You have to be a little bit more strategic. The tactics aren't working. You have to switch switch those tactics to support the new strategy. It makes me think of an experience we've had with one of our clients because you're right. As a marketing agency, it's like tactic city. You sit down with your client partners and it's like, we want to do this. Well, hold on a minute. This sounds like more than just running an ad campaign. Right. What are you expecting? How deep do you want to go? Well, no, we, we want to increase our, our oil change business. Okay. Time out. Pause. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute because that's not going to happen overnight. And, right. and, or are you just looking for a pump and dump? And the more you explore, the more you realize it's kind of an act of desperation. It's a pump and dump, like run, right. run do some you ads, the get some leads. Right. But the question comes is, how, you know, what are your hours of operation? How many right. bays do you have to do it? How many can you handle in a day? And how many people do you have doing it? I can't answer those. Okay, great. Well, you could throw 10 grand at this campaign. And I'm going to tell you, you just lit it on fire and you're going to hate me tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. But that's the fundamental challenges I think we face in the industry is that there's a lot of people talking and they're, they're talking about all this amazing hype and technology and like, like fancy bells and whistles. It's like somebody has to be the unfavorite person that just says, Hey guys, I'm gonna call a timeout on all this fancy land and just say, we got to go back to the, to the foundation and make sure our house is in order before we bring on any new fanciness, any new hot, new little item or switch to a new fancy, whatever it might be. And, and understand what are we doing what is our goal? And then what are the tactics or pieces that we need to be successful after we understand our own operations internally? Mm. It's the clarity that can only come while um, moving, you know, like, and dealerships have been moving, some of them for a hundred, pushing a hundred years. Right. You, you, these dealerships, most dealerships that, that I know have enough historical data of operations, personnel, et cetera, that they should be looking at that and saying, historically, what have we needed to pull off successful business initiatives? And in those moments when we didn't have successful business initiatives, where did it fall apart? And, yep. and so now here we are again, we want to do another business initiative. What are the key elements to your point that we're actually going to need in order to pull this off successfully? Yeah. And, and are we investing in long-term and short-term? I mean, for example, we just take fixed ops, for example, if you really haven't invested in it, right. And you've got all these fundamental flaws because the independents are taking you on because they have historical, they've invested in SEO and all the different things to basically own the market. Then the question becomes right now, why the, um, why the right is good. Are we double downing and investing in our weak points so that when the, the table shifts, we're in a really good position, right? To take on that new strategy of how we do business. Um, and I think that's the important part. And a lot of people just aren't talking about it because it's not a, it's not a fun conversation because unfortunately it requires all of us to look in the mirror and go, you know, who do we want to be when we grow up? And am I really representing my best, my best image of what I want to be? Ooh, maybe not. So oh, that's painful. Okay. Well, we kind of got to rip the bandaid off and get to work because, Again, there's going to be, are, are we going to crash? No, but there's going to be, again, another change, another cycle, another season. 
And we have to continue to evolve around those things. Um, you know, easily put, it's kind of like, you know, drag racing. Everybody's got a fast car. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is we're just setting it up for the track we're about to race on. And we're trying to make adjustments to get a second here, a half a second here to optimize at our best performance. And that's really how we should be approaching our dealerships. I love how you separate strategy and tactics because you realize that most people that think they're deploying a strategy today are just managing tactics. Correct. And that really shines an interesting light on the whole ecosystem of how how autom- retail automotive currently works. It's just a compounding of tactics that don't map to anything. And I mean, even as it as it pertains to the various buzz topics that we've mentioned prior, whether it's attribution or whatever, until you have a solid strategy and you're able to clearly articulate the purpose and what you are aiming to achieve, these tactics are always going to be compared against zero. It's a race to the bottom. It's what does Kevin O'Leary say? He says to zero with a bullet, everything's going to look like failure. Yeah. And, and I chuckle about it because I'm like, Oh, you know, business owner wakes up on the wrong side of bed or had an argument with their spouse. Who do they take it out on the website company, the marketing agency? Right. <laughs> like, you know, fundamentally, it's like my coffee sucked this morning. Go fight. Go find a new website company. And, and we're fundamentally going backwards, too. I mean, think about this for a second. And you're a website guy. So this one's going to get your like hair to stand up. It's going to get you all uh, fired up. Because if I told you that I, I'm taking your customers off your website and putting them into a different ecosystem, you're going to lose your everlasting mind. We right. talked about this for a long time. Landing pages. Um, frame-ins. I mean, we were like the anti-frame-in, you know, world of automotive for the longest time. And then DR came and suddenly now we're back to frame-ins. We got VDPs and SRPs and everything that are like, it's a frame-in of the DR tool. So now now we've lost visibility. We have no marketing tracking. We have all these blind spots, not to mention, if we're really looking at the customer experience, a little bumpy, um, As you start to dig into it, and I'm going, but nobody's calling this out. This is amazing. Hold on a second. I'm confused. Right. Well, actually, interesting story. Um, You know, because we really strive to have client partners and actual try and explore what partnership really looks like, we are a website people, but we're also their marketing firm. And we're looking kind of at that whole picture at what elements are getting in the way. So in the context of the website, you know, you, you brought it up. We actually approached a company. We said, hey, look, your little gadget and gizmo is actually misplaced in the customer journey. And now it's cannibalizing the entire experience. People think they're searching for a vehicle, but they're, they're, they're actually starting the process of a trade appraisal. Yeah. Their retort was, well, our data shows that more people than you think actually like starting with the trade. And I said, well, compared to what though? What well, data are you comparing that against? Because if everything's in a vacuum, of course. And if I'm comparing by the way, it to my churn, that, yeah, that's and, not comparing churn. Well, and I mean, if you're if you're only comparing it, if you're if your doodad and gadget and gizmo cannibalizes the entire experience, then guess what? You're also soaking up all of the data. It's just not reliable enough and easy to position as if you're the hero of the story. But we're not pulling back to your point and looking at the entire customer purchase experience, which 
our team is able to see because we know the channel that brought in the traffic that and where they're coming Correct. from and at what phase and wait you and actually so do that so you mean you mean oh that's interesting because yeah. if you think about it most websites basically or most crms um classify everything as a website lead right no so, i mean we look so at all we're the saying that our website is the hero but in reality our, our website is a virtual lot that's like that's like saying you know we, we would get mad i mean i mean i remember you know Managers as managers, we'd always get mad. If someone put, oh, it was a walk-in, it was like, okay, so you're too weak to ask? I'm confused. Right. So now the website is the same thing. If you're too weak to ask, because we already know it came from Google, it came from Facebook, it came from an email, where we know, right. but we're not we're not advancing the conversation and giving multi-touch credit, uh, which is another problem and a blind spot in some cases. So yeah, we're it's so interesting. And and I and I think that's kind of the bigger thing is even for us, you know, at Vista, we try to have a general conversation with not just the dealer, but the vendor partners as well as, hey, this is what we're seeing. What do you think? And then going and having that open dialogue to try and figure out if we can solve the problem and better serve the dealer collectively. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, if we work together, then the dealer wins. And that's kind of really where we, we need to make this fundamental shift and stop with the wall gardens of like, ah, I'm not going to help you. Um, it's starting to break down these walls and communicate because again that's what leads to the strategy conversation as well is again we stop doing tactics and we start understanding strategy as we collectively have a conversation i love it every as a it's always funny because as the web guy quote unquote web guy like you've said whenever i'm asked on a show i I haven't seen change in this industry in the last 15 years it's like the website guy's coming on he's going to share a juicy detail about how to get more conversions and, I mean, unfortunately, I got bad news. The website's a website. Yeah, that and that's my it's message. Not a knock. Right? It's not a knock. No, it's, it's not. It's just like see things for what they are. And I'm just maybe I'm a realist, and I think a lot of people take realism for pessimism because oh, I say exactly what you one. just said. Yeah, no, let's have some fun. I mean, there's a lot of people touting speed right now. Yeah, and I'm laughing. I'm going, how are you measuring speed, and what is your effectiveness of speed? Because right. the reality is, you're not in an OEM program, so you're not mandated to have all these plugins on your website, which <laughs> fundamentally will slow it down. <laughs> so that's great. You're fast now, but the second you get consumed into the program, which is where you're heading, guess what? Your speed's not going to be so cool. So you're going to have to change your marketing pitch. Sorry. Yeah, Thanks. I love it. It's like, hey, Mike, we're going to cancel our our live chat provider because it's eight hundred bucks a month, a thousand dollar a month, and we can get. We can get Facebook Messenger for fry. And I'm like, and it's going to slow your site down by about 25 points right out of the gates. Correct. Because someone's going to put, I mean, number one, code in, it's going to be all, yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. So there's all these things that it's like, it's just so funny how we kind of, you know, are, at the end of the day, I would say automotive is some of the best marketers, really good at marketing stuff. <laughs> the, the promise piece is real strong. And it changes, kind of like politicians. Yes. Sorry, um, too, too soon. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, you know what? The, there's there's a lot. Like you said, every gadget and gizmo right now is a tactic, but it there's no way to understand how it maps to a larger strategy, especially if dealer or business owner can't articulate that strategy. We Correct. are putting or this piece government. in place for right? this purpose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. percent, like. Have you gone on, like, it's so funny, I've gone on to Carvana just to kind of go, hey, let me go through the experience. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting when you think about dealers, you know, are, are fighting this battle, CarMax, Carvana, so on and so forth. However, 
the franchise dealers are at a loss because again, they're mandated. So right. Carvana has a seamless integration. If I go on and I book out my car and it says my car's worth X, as I'm looking at cars, it's already calculating my positive equity against the car and telling me what I'm really buying. Right. I'm like, wow, this is pretty slick. This is great user experience. I'm not having to think you're telling, you're guiding me through the journey that I'm, I'm dictating, but giving me information without me even asking that's relevant to my behavior pattern and what I need to know. The problem is, is that we can't provide that to the franchise dealers because they're never, especially for these dealer groups, I, I feel for because, you know, one OEM is going to say, these are, this is your mandated stack that you get. And the other one is going to say, well, this is your mandated. And when it comes to DR, you can have this one. We have our own homegrown and you got this one. So now we're all, the, the consumers going to these different rooftops in the group going, wait, I'm so confused. I'm, I'm just joining here. What just happened? Because it's not an easy, smooth experience. Um, so there's a lot of challenges and I think we've got, you know, some roads ahead of us and hopefully some big voices will come out and try and level the playing field so that there's a freedom of stack with, with basically OEM or brand guidelines. I don't know why we've overcomplicated and run away on this freight train. It's pretty simple. Here's our color coding. Here's our logo. You know, th there's just a standard that anybody can do. It's marketing 101. I mean, you know, this as a brand person, what's your brand standard? Give me your colors, give me a logo. I'm going to, make everything look like that. Right. Uh, and that should be the sign off. I mean, mm -hmm. for the most part, everything else is fundamentally the same. Yeah. It's, you know, for me, I want to touch back on something you were talking about earlier as it pertains to strategy. And really from your experience, from my experience, I know that having a, a, a well thought out documented strategy is is in and of itself a solution that will solve many of the challenges we've brought up on this on this chat. Yep. But it's also the least sexy. It's the least oh. quick. It requires thought. It requires planning. It requires frustration. It requires so many different things. What do you say to the dealer that's like, yeah, I hear that. I, I feel like it's unsexy. I know I've got to do it, but where do I start? Where do I start chewing into this? Yeah, I think the fundamental piece is is getting your leadership team together. First and foremost, just having an open conversation about topics. You you can talk about you know the brand, the dealership, the inventory, the people, the processes, and go kind of a plus and minus. What's working in your mind? What's working? What's not working? Where's the rub and friction? What keeps you up at night? When you start putting up these points, I mean, again, simple as getting some sharpies and stickies and sticking stuff on the wall which is kind of cute in its own way, you can put these things up and say, okay. And then what you start to see when you have your leadership team is the themes, the groupings of things are the same. And then all of a sudden you take those groupings and you go, okay, this is, a, this is one that has come up several times. This is something we need to focus on. And, and if you just start taking the bite of the common themes, you start solutioning and backing your way into those strategies and those pieces that'll manifest into the bigger strategy. But Again, I think for those that have fight it, it's like take it at the smallest level and accomplish a task of what is something we need to solve for today? What is a pain point that we're having? And unpack that with your team. What's working? What's not working? But you also have to have the, the openness and willingness to say, just because it's the way we've always does it, done it doesn't mean it's right. And just because it's working doesn't mean we can't break it and make it better. Mm. We got to stop resting on, well, it's working. Right. But the reality is, is do you have enough data and enough conviction to say that it's working at its, at its optimum point? 
Can right. you squeeze more out of it? Is there a better way? Can you can you optimize from a from a cost maybe reduction standpoint? Maybe maybe it took you a lot of people to do execute X. Now with technology, you could bridge some of that and have a hybrid to where you're lowering some of your costs. So it's really just kind of breaking away at it and focusing on things that motivate you and your team. You know, maybe it's about, you know, tightening up the bottom line. Maybe it's about selling more cars, whatever the excitement is amongst the group. Focus on that as your outcome goal, but drive the strategies to focus on that and figure out where the, the things that are working well and the things that aren't and work off of that, but be very honest with it. Mm. This, this, that, what you just said also reminds me of something that you said in our call. Like I'm a big define success kind of guy. Like stop, stop chasing the perception of what you see out there right? and define success for yourself. And we were talking about this and you very quickly added in a very critical piece where I was like, yes, you said, but then you also need to accept what you've defined. Oh, 100%. And you make me think what you're just saying here about starting at a very simple, basic level, defining what that outcome is to your point, but then accept it because your dealership and your operation isn't going to look the same. I know you get the OEM reports and they pit y'all against each other. I go to the 20 group, right? And you do all this stuff, but at the end of the day, if if we're getting into, and, and one of the, popular words that everybody's into biohacking right now, right? Like trying to optimize your body, right? Well, right. Michael, we both agree that we are not the same. We are not made up the same. Our genetics are not the same. We're not going to respond to food the same. So stop thinking as a dealership that you're going to respond like a different other dealership. There's some common themes and commonalities, but at the end of the day, your people are what make you unique. So your processes and how you operate or what make you unique? Because again, you're speaking to your people and your teams and, and, and your culture and your business, which means you can't just take whatever Johnny down the road's doing and plug it right into your dealership because it may not work well because they've got a different set of people, and a different set of processes that align with maybe a strategy they might have in place. And that's what you're missing is they have a strategy and you don't. So there's these things of, hey, you got to set some goals. You've got to focus on it. Success is defined by you. If you let everybody else define success, you're just going to bang your head against the wall of frustration because you're never going to succeed. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to define what does success look like for you guys. And as you achieve those levels of, of success, fine, move the goal out, goal post out a little bit, right? But most importantly, what, and, and I was talking to somebody yesterday and it was such a great conversation that got me to think too is, is let's also make sure that we celebrate our successes and take a minute because not everybody has hit that level of success. Not everybody has felt the reward of success. And in some cases, leadership has never appreciated all of those that put forth the effort to get to that success. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be mindful of those things. That's what leads to retention. That what leads to an amazing culture of, you know, everybody knows what the mission is and everybody celebrates in the success of the mission. Yeah. That's so interesting. I was having a conversation Maybe it almost sounds like we're having a similar conversation. Um, an individual that I know here that that's becoming a, a fast friend. He's the COO of a very successful multi-city law firm here in, in the United States. And um, him and I were talking and he said, so let me get this straight. You have a tech and marketing company. You're all provided for. You're privately funded, debt-free, like... 
not starving, some growth. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, yeah, no, we call that freedom at work. That's called freedom. But to your point, if we only compare against the context of someone else's circumstances without under, or actually the perception of someone else's circumstances without understanding the context, we will almost always feel like a failure because especially in the internet world, we're like, oh man, I'm not Snapchat. I'm not TikTok. I'm not Facebook. I didn't get my billion dollar valuation like Techion in six months or whatever without understanding everything it took to get there. Then yeah, you're going to look like a failure. But if you start comparing it to what you've defined and what you've accepted, that's called freedom. Uh, Agreed. And that's it. There's so much noise that we forgot what we're really doing things for because sooner or later the noise takes over and you realize and wake up one day that, Hey, all these goals that I'm chasing are not my goals. And you're like, wait a minute, I may have missed the exit here. <laughs> Why am I unhappy? Uh, maybe because you lived somebody else's life. Yeah. Why is my family not wanting to hang out with me anymore? <laughs> cause you're never home. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's all these different variables. And that's what I'm saying. This is never a fun conversation because this, there, there's no, this isn't warm, fuzzy or sexy. This is just straight to the point, real. And it challenges all of us to look in the mirror. So it's not a popular topic, which is why if you think about that, we're on every channel, how many of these conversations are happening? Very few. It's razzle dazzle. Let's get the pom poms out. Let's sell the mm-hmm. big hype and, and get talking about things that are sexy and fun. Because again, we don't want to talk about these types of things. However, We'll all start talking about it real quick when the, when the table kind of flips over on us. Right. I can't remember who said it. I'm sure a lot of people have said it, but it's like adversity is actually what produces the urgency required to move forward. It's not this, these, the, the soft, cushy times. And I mean, you hear what a lot of people are talking about on, say, Clubhouse or on social in general. And hey, hey, guys, I'm going to show you how to make a million dollars with this three simple three step and everything seems so immediate no effort required and i just feel like either i'm getting older or people are starting to understand that all of that hype amounts to nothing because it never worked and if and and if it required a disclaimer like it always does like results not typical less than 0.000357 like your percent your chances of having your your 0.03 bitcoin is more valuable than the chances of this famed funnel working or whatever. And I feel like people are starting to wake up to this and realize, crap, it is going to take more work. It is going to take more time. It is going to whatever. And despite the fact that, you know, Dan Moore and Michael Cirillo exist on the planet at the same time, that's completely irrelevant because one of us has lived longer than the other, has more experience, has more so on and so forth. But I feel like we've, we've conditioned ourselves to believe that by merely existing at the same time that we should have the same timeline. And it just doesn't work that way. Hundred percent. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, I love some. I think I saw a post from from um, Grant Cardone the other day, and I loved it. He actually put down his timeline, like broke okay. it all yeah. down, you know. Uh-huh. And, and I was laughing, going, "Thank you," because this is what everybody needs to see right here. It didn't happen overnight. There's right. decades into this of what he's amassed. It didn't happen overnight. He had mm-hmm. fails, trials, and tribulations, like. It didn't happen overnight. Nothing does. There's so much behind the scenes. And again, I think I always love the, the, um, the image of the iceberg. You, you see this, you mm-hmm. don't see all of this. And that's it. It's like, 
if you kind of, I have kind of a mantra of like, I'll do all my best work behind the curtain because I don't need validation for putting in the work. Mm. Yeah. Because if I'm doing it for that, I'm not doing it for the right reasons. Right. Wait, you don't want to be a celebrity? No. Why, why'd you go and talk at TEDx then, Dan? <laughs> you, you know what? It was, it, was a, it was a wonderful thing that fell into my lap because, again, I put in the work and someone knocked on the door and I said, why wouldn't I say yes, right? But, but that's my whole point is I don't have to go. And this is the point that, yeah. that, that kind of speaks to that is, is that the way Dan operates, the way Michael operates, the way people on social media operate, we're all not the same. So to sit there and say that it can't be done because I don't follow the playbook of what someone else wrote on how to be a social master ninja. Um, okay, great. Well, I didn't have to be on social media to get a TED talk. So I'm saying that for the person out there, the things that you have to do what this person says, that's not true. Right. You have the capabilities of writing your own narrative, your own story and pushing reality. Hey, it might take you an extra year to get to that step that it took them less because maybe, you know, coincidence or maybe not. Or maybe not. Maybe you get there faster. Yeah. Those are, they're still mm-hmm. trying to get to the TED Talk, and you're already there because you chose a different path. There's no right or wrong equation. The reality is, is at the end of the day, are you in charge of you? And, and quite simply put, every day, it's you against you who's going to win. Right. You know, and obviously, those, those that are watching this will, will see my level of tongue-in-cheek as I say that because I know you authentically lean into, I'm going to do me. I'm not going to... 99.95% of what you see happens with no cameras, with no social, with no whatever because you've defined and accepted what you want. It's just sad, you know, how many individuals, and I can say this because I used to be in that boat are too occupied feeling resentment and anger towards somebody who's doing something that they've accepted they want to do. And you might like the appeal of it or the idea of it, but you don't actually want it for yourself and you just haven't accepted that yet. And more so importantly to that, I think all of that contributes to the void that we as human beings can tend to feel which leads us to buying or wanting to buy or thinking we can buy our way out of our own inefficiencies. Oh, you'll get caught sooner or later. Trust me. And, and to your point, I'll let you in on the little dirty secret because people are like, okay, well, you're comfortable in your own skin. Absolutely. doesn't mean I'm still not a student of the game. Meaning I watch right. people's behaviors, their patterns, how they interact with people in real life online. Cause a, I, I think I, I think I missed my calling. I think I should have gone into psychology because I'm really fascinated with, how, mm-hmm. how everybody kind of thinks and navigates life. But I will say that, yes, at the end of the day, when you really put the study and you're like, that's not my cup of tea, but I'm okay. Right. Hey, good on them. Ooh, I like that. I want that. Okay, great. Then let's, let's prioritize. Is that something that's relevant for me? Is that a path I want to go down? And I'm willing to go down, you know, and, and do things that maybe aren't my normal comfort level or whatever. So again, it's just, it's conversation mm-hmm. and adjustment. Don't have it to your point. Like, if you're having resentment about something, you need to go look in the mirror and go, well, okay, so clearly I'm not happy about, about me right now. What is it? Oh, I, I don't have whatever it is, some monetary thing, or I didn't go do whatever. Okay, great. Well, do you want to? Right. And what's the path to get there for you? Yeah. Makes so much sense. Man, I love this conversation. It's so crucial a conversation to have 
And I believe in an ongoing fashion, especially as we seek to and need to hold ourselves to a greater account moving into this next phase of the world, whatever is going to happen. Um, you know, the hype, the understanding, the hype, understanding ourselves, having greater self-awareness so that we can operate at, at peak or as close to peak efficiency as possible. That's going to be the key. Those that double down on themselves and invest in themselves, like they're, they're the ones that are going to rise. It's always been that way. I think it's going to continue to be that way, despite what some might think about new and emerging technology and all those sorts of things. But I want to, I want to just turn this over to you one last time. How can those listen and get in touch and learn more about you? Um, online, obviously, um, on most of the social platforms, more of Dan. Uh, you can email me, dan at distadash.com. Message me on any of the um, appropriate social links. I mean, I'm easy to get a hold of. You know that. You've known me for a long time. It's not It's not a hard thing to uh, to get a hold of me. Um, and again, if there's something I can help out with somebody, you got a question, a thought, or whatever. Uh, but I just challenge everybody watching, you know, hey, dare to be curious. Ask questions. Be inquisitive. Don't just assume. Don't judge. Be curious. I think you'll get more out of everything. And it applies to everything that we do. Not just marketing, not just being in the dealership. But I think as, as humans, we have to strive to be more curious and, and inquisitive about people that we interact with and yet ourselves and be curious in ourselves and really trying to push ourselves to get outside of our company. Love it, man. Thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Absolutely. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.